This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and a goal! Comes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! How we win this league anyway? Richard, he's hit it. It's Cranwell! Ronan Doyle strikes again. The extraordinary is becoming the ordinary for Scott Twine. Here we go again then, and this week... We celebrate a point at Stevenage, but I'm joined by Trust FCSC's very own James Burgoyne. It's been a while, James. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a, been a long while, and I'm, I'm very happy to be back. And Probably my first away day for a few years as well, so it's it's nice. It's nice to be back on, on the pod and following Swindon, actually following Swindon. So, yeah, it's nice. Back following Swindon and on a 48-hour lash as well. Something like that, yeah. It was uh, slightly impromptu birthday party in Southampton did occur after yesterday. So my away day lasted a lot longer than I thought it was going to. So, yeah, a little bit worse for wear today. <laughs> Lots of stuff happened, which we'll discuss as we go along. But before we talk Swindon, Johnny Williams, two caps now for Swind- as a Swindon player for Wales. And, you know, to, to people like me who, who isn't Welsh, it, it's not a huge deal. I'm hugely proud of, you know, Swindon players when they go out on international duty. But that's probably, I don't know how old you were, but that's probably the first Welshman to represent both Swindon and your nation in your lifetime. I think the last time was about 94 with, with Paul Bowden. How does it feel? Oh, it feels amazing. I think certainly considering Johnny S as a player, 
Johnny Williams is a player that's loved so much by the Wales fans. Like, <laughs> um, not just for his footballing ability, but for just his general aura. He seems like someone who really loves football and has a really great mentality, a really nice guy, and someone, and certainly someone who is. I, I, I am Anglo-Welsh, so I do have to put that caveat in. It's quite nice to see people who aren't, you know, who haven't been necessarily raised in the country, but still have that very close bond. Obviously, he's from Kent, isn't he? So, um, have that very close bond with the nation. Seems to be genuinely really proud, and yeah, and and also obviously considering how well Wales have done in the last like I don't know ten years since Gary Speed came in, this. Compared to certainly the Bowden era, I'm not saying we were when Bowden played. Like we were a lot worse than like now. We 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 aren't like the minnows. Not saying we've ever really been minnows, but a smaller football nation than now. Like having a a Welsh international means a lot more now. So, and like Johnny's fantastic, played brilliantly against Finland. So I sadly didn't watch any of the game today, but um, I do was absolutely fantastic against Bulgaria. So. Um, Bulgaria, Belarus. So, yeah, but it has been quite. Uh, obviously, I follow a lot of Welsh journalists and fans on on Twitter, and it's been quite frustrating to see um, them just pretty much describing us as a little old Swindon in the league too. So, with their incre- uh, incredulous reaction to uh, Johnny Johnny playing in league two, which yeah, you know what? Forget what I said previously. You can say Johnny Esther. That's okay. I'm. I'm won over by him. He's such a charming fellow, and I do like his Instagram account. He he seems such a lovable guy. It's just it's just his smile is infectious. Like yeah, I don't know. It's just 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 amazing. Just happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about Swindon Town at Stevenage. So, talk me through your journey. I mean, it's quite a distance for you, wasn't it? So your first away day in in many a moon. Did you enjoy the the, the pre game build up? Yeah, it was amazing. Again, like it was it was great. Obviously. Met Connor at uh, Waterloo after a sojourn from Dorset to to the capital, and it was just nice to to be around Swindon again for the first part of the day until things that we will uh, I I we I imagine we will discuss later. But being in a pub and like yeah, it was just nice and seeing the crowd and everything, and yeah, it it, it was it felt like normality again, which was something something very nice and it was just nice to have the whole power struggle that we had over the summer and obviously being involved with, I was slightly in, in, involved with that kind of stuff as well which did really kind of take a lot out and it was nice to kind of just again be back to supporting a football team and yeah it was nice to go to a different part of the country which I've never really been to before in Stevenage which I'm still not really 100% sure it is so yeah. <laughs> okay so I mean we're going to talk about those who were absent on international duty a little bit later on because it is, I suppose, a talking point. But Swindon lined up as thus. It was a 4-2-3-1 formation return by Ben Garner with Jojo in goal. And then you had at the back Rob Hunt, Akinor Demeo, and in the middle you had Dion Conroy and Romani Critchlow. You had Ellis Iandolo come in um, with Lewis Reed, And then in that attack midfield, you had McCurdy, Gladwin and Payne. And up front on his own, Tyree Simpson. I think this was pretty much a nailed on. The first nailed on 11, I think, of the season because of the absences. Would you agree with that? I think, yeah, definitely. Certainly considering the players that we had out, I think 
yeah, it was interesting. I think I was was surprised about Andalo being in the, in the centre, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I thought he played very well there, but I I, I thought Ryanese would have started, but I think it looked like a good side. Um, I'm not convinced by Odomayo as a right back, um, despite. Bengala trying to tell us he is a right back. I mean, he's been doing that with quite a lot of players at the moment with <laughs> Mitchell Lawson insisting he's a forward. I, I'm not sure on, on the assistance of of Odomai as a right back. Um, but yeah, I think it's nice to see. You can see the kind of machinations that work in this team, and you can see what the kind of when it kind of works, what the end product will be. But yeah, and I, I really like the way that we have a lot of players who are quite versatile in terms of different positions which I think helps in terms of the structure of the side because everyone will know their kind of opposite numbers job in terms of like, it's only when Iandolo can kind of slot into when uh, Hunt wants to go on the attack and kind of slot in there and do the job and back up very well. But um, if you lose a player like like Johnny Williams and, and Anthony Grant and Casa Hayden have been probably three of our best players. I mean, obviously I haven't seen a hell of a lot of Johnny Williams, but being three very good players for the season, I think there's always going to be a vacuum of, of talent there but um, yeah I thought it was great to see I thought we played quite well I mean we, we probably could have done more with the ball but I think tactically we were we were right yeah well the, the first half is is largely considered by everyone who watched the game as quite entertaining fair um, plenty of chances from both sides you know you, you only need to look at the highlights reel that you see that the first real chance was from Chris Lines whose long distance shot was saved really quite brilliantly by Jojo Wallacott. And then it's another instance where I bet that the opposing player thought that was in as soon as it left his boot. Yeah. He's, he's a fantastic reflex goalkeeper, isn't he? Oh, he's absolutely superb. I mean, it's sort of contrast to the keeper we, st- we started with last season. I think the fact that he's been so, so good this season so far has, has helped everyone certainly defensively because they know that if they do make a mistake it's only when you play this kind of formation you need to know the player behind you or the keeper behind you is going to back you up if you make a play because obviously we do play with the ball a hell of a lot so I think the relationship between Wallacott certainly Wallacott Conroy and Crutchlow was I thought was absolutely all three were absolutely fantastic yesterday but yeah yeah the first half was interesting I thought we played very, we played well. Stevenage played the way that I think a hell of a lot of League Two teams are going to play against us this season. They kind of allowed us to play our game and just pass it around quite a lot. We didn't do a hell of a lot with it apart from a couple of chances. Remember the enigmatic Harry McCurdy had a had a very good chance, and so did Simpson as well. But there wasn't any like clear cut chance. It was a lot of us just kind of playing around with the ball and Stephen just kind of countering us. They were kind of being that very little team in terms of like they were just going to watch us make a mistake and capitalize on it. And but yeah, but no, yeah, the first half was good. I thought we were building into the game, but then the second half didn't go, didn't start as. I would have thought Ghana would have planned. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the second half in just a moment. There's a few, I think, points from the first half still to to discuss. I mean, we're six games in, which is, you know, still 40 games left, plenty of plenty of time um, for things to change multiple times over. But this weekend, we played a back four with only one new player in, in Romani Critchlow. And over the season so far, we've only conceded four goals in, in the league. And... The fact that we've only got one new player in, that's, that's, 
we, we, we conceded so many goals last season. And I wonder if it was, you know, the way the club was being operated. I wonder if they've just got more faith in Jojo Wallacott. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're just better at League Two level. But it's the, the, the difference between the trust that we have in this defensive line than we had just a matter of months ago is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely beggar's belief when you think about that. I mean, we had all, all those players last season. I think a lot of it is man management from Ghana. I think a lot of there have been a lot of arms around the shoulders kind of management, which I think was certainly needed after the, the last manager we had. In. And I think the relationship between Conroy, as I mentioned earlier, Conroy, Critchlow and um, Wallachai has, has been massive because I think there are a group of, a trio of players I think kind of trust each other to do their jobs where maybe we, certainly with some of the keepers we had last season and some of the defenders we had last season, um, there maybe wasn't that trust between them. I mean, sometimes the keeper, they did, had no, at certain points, they had no idea which keeper was going to be behind them every game. So, yeah, it's just been fantastic. I think certainly in terms of defensive areas, but it's so completely different, I think, because... There seems to be a lot more unity in the squad as well, which you're more likely to want to help the man next to you if the squad's in a better place. In terms of there seems to be a lot more cohesion, there seems to be a lot better kind of vibes around the place, and that would have been kind of curated by not just by the whole club and obviously Garner and all that kind of stuff. So it just feels like a very different. The whole like squad just seems like a whole different entity to what it was last season. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, on you know in terms of the play, you mentioned one effort before, but before that. Jack Payne had a really good effort. Um, it well, it deflected off Jake Taylor, but it was wonderfully saved by Joseph Anang, who had a brilliant game for Stevenage. Then what a ball it was from Lewis Reed to find Harry McCurdy, whose couple of touches left the chance that just got to the glove of uh, the stretching Anang. If that goal went in, the McCurdy effort, oh, my word, it would have been a glorious moment. Oh, that it's, yeah. He was, I thought he was absolutely superb yesterday, Harry McCurdy. And he's one of those, that is kind of what you get from McCurdy as much as you will get the frustration because he's a man who definitely plays his football to the beat of his own drum. Um, but yeah, you can get those those moments of magic. And whenever, I mean, obviously we all see these highlights reels every week and there's always at least one or two Harry McCurdy chances. And I think we're going to see that a lot this season. I think he's, there are probably other players who, who have stolen the limelight. He's probably one of those who's, been progressively getting better, and I'd be interested to see what how his kind of Swindon Town career manifests itself. Where, where when he's a bit more settled, I guess, and whether he, we can get him settled at Swindon, which I hope we can. What you what you thinking at at half time? So you know, entertaining half. Both sides have equally as good chances to take the lead. Are you thinking that Swindon have, have got the edge? Swindon are going to you know get it here, or, or did you have any concern that Stevenage w- could possibly cause more threat to us? It was more of a case of I felt worried that we were going to do pretty much what happened in terms of we were going to play it too much and then because that Stevenage seemed like a team that were relatively well drilled under under Ravel and had these kind of Scott Cuthbert, Chris Lines, League Two professionals who have been there done that who will be able to capitalise on those kind of errors which we made and but yeah I think I, I we we were definitely the better side in that first half. So yeah, I think it, it it did feel like a matter of time whether we would do something, but there was definitely that kind of nagging thought on the back of the mind that if a mistake could, could be made, which you sometimes can do playing this kind of football, if you slightly overplay it and they attack very well and have that kind of press they did did yesterday. But um, yeah, I think definitely happy going to half time and 
seeing what how, how it would have fallen in the second half. Um, okay, second half then, and not much is really going on. Our very own beloved former centre-forward Luke Norris has a header well saved by Jojo, and then Stevenage take the lead. Jake Taylor's long ball doesn't look that dangerous, and it goes to Ben Gladwin, who dallies, and then Ben Coker sneaks in to put the ball into the roof of the Swindon Nets. Now, in terms of Ben Gladwin now, I've got to say, the reaction from Swindon fans on social media with this goal was not positive at all. It felt like a few people had opinions on Gladwin that they were ready to unleash, possibly because that, frankly, he does have this sort of error in his locker, the way he plays. But I guess this error really does depend on if he gets a call or not from his defenders around him, because he doesn't seem to notice Coker at all in this, does he? Gladwin is an interesting one, isn't he? I think the whole, with this kind of play, and certainly the way that we played, the the operative word that you need is concentration, I think. There are definitely times in Ben Gladwin's game where he has a tendency to kind of lose it a bit. I certainly know the defensive situation, he's not the most, as much as he is a big, tall player, like well-built player, I don't think he's always the strongest on the ball so and and he, he should have just cleared it and yeah it was it was a terrible moment and he was definitely to blame and I think a lot of the discussion around him after that goal I think was quite fair before he came to Swindon he did have a long period in uh, non-league and I think there as much as he doesn't have the same concentration I think as a lot of professional footballers have I think he has those moments of magic he's very much a wild card player in terms of, certainly in terms of the, the attacking element of the pitch but I think he's always great at the other end of the pitch but I don't know if that's a harsh comment to make or not Yeah I do feel like there is this feeling of what are you doing here you know when the ball sort of finds its way to Gladwin I mean the guy's been a you know, pro footballer for eight years or so now. So, you know, he should be doing better than that. I do absolutely agree that he's just got to hit it. If in doubt, if you don't know what's around you, you've just got to get it. If it's just tap it off for a corner, whatever. I think it's a Gladwin error. But I also think the reaction was really quite venomous from from some Swindon fans who clearly obviously don't rate him, which is fine. Um, We've talked on this pod a million times about the way Gladwin plays often looks sort of negative and it always looks like he's cruising for a bruising. And when it does happen, and he's not the only one in this side that looks like they can make an error at any moment with, you know, dallying on the ball. But yeah, like I said, it just felt like fans were waiting for this moment just to say, I told you so. And the fact that they know it was going to happen has to be damning on Gladwin, right? Yeah, it's it's frustrating because I think certainly as a as a fan base we do like to have these players who are scapegoats, um, which I don't know. I think probably every club does, but it does seem to be something we do every every season. We do seem to have that one player, and it does seem like Gladwin's been the one that, at least at the moment anyway has been tarred with that brush. So I just think the way he plays doesn't always look fantastic because again he's not the quickest of players, but I think a lot of again I know we talked about maybe his lack of concentration, but I think he can be quite an intelligent player. So. He'll come onto the ball later than most players will. So he will miss a lot of chances, but when he gets the ball in the right position, he's more likely to take that chance and make it into a goal rather than some other players because he's not he's not great at kind of bringing the ball forward. He's more the player gives the ball around the area and he will create the final pass. He's not 
he's not he's more of an attacking midfielder slash forward I think than a midfielder even though he's always been kind of given the kind of midfielder status but he's not someone I would have in certainly in a more midfield position which is something he did later in the game uh, when Mitchell Lawson came on or no when Gilbert came on it's always a bad thing when you said but you do kind of have to carry him a little bit for that kind of moment of brilliance because he will go quite anonymous in a lot of games um, he does have a tendency to do that, but he's also got those moments of, of genius and, and has got those gold star moments. But I think the reason why, if he had more of those gold star moments slash, you know, moments of brilliance, he wouldn't be playing in League 2, let's be brutally honest. And yeah, He's going to do more good things for Swindon than he is bad, though, isn't he? Oh, without, yeah, sorry, yeah, without a doubt. And I, mean, I, I didn't mean, I, I couldn't think of a better way to word it with the passenger thing, but he's that player who will do absolute brilliant stuff. And he's, he's shown that in however 500 spells he's had at Swindon. So it's just, it's he's one of those players I think it's very easy to scapegoat because he can be very, very frustrating because he will lose the ball. And Yeah. One thing that has been impressive about Swindon this season uh, is that, you know, when, when there is a bump in the road and we concede or up against it, we, we rally well and, and we don't give up. And we don't sort of panic or anything like that. You know, the highlights will show that it doesn't look like we're going to beat Joseph Anang anytime soon. And they have a effort cleared off the line. How was it playing out? Because this one felt like it was more frustrating than the, the, the previous games where it looked like Stevenage had a game plan. They were going to bed in and Swindon was struggling to get in there. Yeah, it was frustrating because it was, obviously there was a lot of talk about pre-kickoff about maybe we, we, we postponed the game because of, certain players which aren't here and the one player I felt that we were screaming out for in this game was Johnny Williams, that player who could take it from the six from the the Lou position and then bring it forward and, and make a chance. I think there was a lot of play in front of their defence, but not really enough trying to get beyond. Um and also Tyrese Simpson went a bit became a bit anonymous in the second half but I don't think anyone can massively blame him because considering his age and how knackered he must be. I don't think we played badly per se, but it was certainly some of the subs that were made. It did seem like we were just trying to get as many forwards on the pitch as possible, which again isn't a bad thing. It's something that we needed to do. We need something we needed to change, but it just didn't. It it felt like at times we could have been there for another ninety minutes. We still wouldn't have scored, and until you know the penalty happened, so. Yeah, before we get to the penalty, Alex Gilbert and Jaden Mitchell Lawson both made their debuts for Swindon during the second half. How did they do? I thought Gilbert was fantastic. Like his his first uh, moment in a Swindon shirt was a absolutely like De Bruyne esque perler of a bullseye handle, and he was just there was a kind of a sense of a Scott Twine about him in terms of he quite liked to come deep and get the ball and and bring it forward, which is obviously something that we definitely needed in that, um, which I thought, I thought was fantastic and looks like a player that we can develop. And yeah, I mean, again, I'm still not convinced on the whole centre-forward agenda that uh, Garner, <laughs> Garner was going on on the press conference. I think the same with Mitchell Lawson, who I didn't really, didn't really see a lot of, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I think... We'll, we, First game and 
didn't have much of a preseason, so we'll, we'll, we'll watch our space with Mitchell Lawson, but I thought Gilbert was absolutely fantastic, and if he'd probably been on, on the pitch longer, it could, could have been within the conversation for man of the match, I think. Nice. Well, fingers crossed they kick on with Swindon. Okay, well, it's coming to the end of the game. There's a little bit of craziness happening um, in the stands, which we'll talk about a bit later on, if you don't mind. Incredible, really, because Scott Cuthbert is hugely experienced and we're going to talk about whether it was a penalty and not now I think it is I think it is yeah. but I don't think he needs to do what he does I don't think he needs to do what he does Scott Cuthbert I think he uh if he stands up you know he could possibly you know block but but I think it's a penalty I can see why people think it's not but uh, no. I don't I, know I think he's given the referee no choice there Obviously, we had Scott Cuthbert nearly a decade now ago, which is insane. I couldn't really believe he was still playing. I do remember he had that kind of moment in him uh, where he would do something a bit rash. But yeah, it was definitely a penalty, I think. Didn't need to happen. But I think because of the events we will go on talk about later, I think it did have this kind of, it did have this effect on the game and on the pitch and on just the whole atmosphere around the stage. It did make it a bit fractious and a bit, there's a lot of anger, a lot of like vitriol, a lot of that kind of stuff. So it was probably one of those moments where he just had that flash of red and then happened. And yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a penalty, I think. But obviously Swindon fans are always going to think that, but yeah. Well, well, no, a lot of Swindon fans don't think it was a penalty, which, which is interesting. And obviously at least one member of Free Counties radio commentary thought it was a, (laughs) thought it wasn't a penalty, but, but, I just, I think he goes in from behind. He goes, you know, and I'm not sure he gets the ball. I know there is a change of direction, but that comes from the Swindon player, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Stonewall, I think. Whenever you go, go in from a player from behind, you open yourself up to, to getting a penalty. And yeah, just they just don't really need to do it. I, I, again, as I said, like the probably red miss the sense. So. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He just doesn't need to do it. He just doesn't need to. He doesn't, you know. I, I, you know, I do these fence sitting sort of observations, and I always think to myself, how would I feel if that was given against Swindon? And I'd be, I'd be again, I'd be more upset with the fact that the players made the decision to go in like he has instead of just standing up. I mean, certainly because he's been been a a good EFL defender for a long time. You kind of slightly condone those mistakes from a younger player, but not from a 35-year-old, 33, 34, 35-year-old centre-back who's, you know, been there, done that, million and one times, and then makes that kind of decision. It becomes a bit harder to swallow, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's Stevenage. Payne comes up, steps up, throws it down the middle, and gets Swindon the equaliser right in the very final second. Runs away, celebrating by the corner flag. It is Stevenage 1, Swindon 1. After, you know, the, the effort that Joseph Anang had put in for the Stevenage um, clean sheet, hands up who thought that that was going to be a, a missed penalty or saved or whatever, because I know I did. Um, I was absolutely convinced that that Payne would, would miss. Absolute balls of steel to step up in the 95th. And... Uh, he put it away really nicely. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolute pandemonium, Pand- uh, pandemonium. That word um, in the away end, which was great. Yeah, I was telling you after the events of the, <laughs> the quite a lot of aforementioned events earlier, it was just complete carnage in, in a slightly less worse way. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. Uh, 
I think it was. I think the point was fair. I don't think it wasn't one of those games where it's almost like both teams kind of deserved to lose it, but Stevenage definitely didn't deserve to win it. But I think a point is fair, really. I, yeah, it's maybe a super way of saying it, but I think yeah, I don't. I don't think Stevenage fans will moan about it, but I. I think yeah, I think one one is a fair result out of that game. To be honest with you, yeah. I don't think anyone disagrees. Before the game ended, though, Stevenage wanted a penalty themselves with the last bit of action of the game. Um, let's listen to Free County's radio commentary of that. It's got now it's Daly. Daly into the area. Go down. There you go. He's pulled down. He's pulled down. The referee just blows for the final whistle. And there it's now you've got players converging all over the place. The thing that annoys me is that you can't moan about officiating and then call for the Stevenage player to go to ground, can you? I mean, local radio is local radio, you know, all all that listening to Three Counties Radio said to me is all hell, BBC Radio Wilch's Andrew Hawes, who can, on the whole, call a game with the appropriate levels of impartiality. So huge compliment to him and Phil Smith was great on CoComs too. More of that, please. But it's not your job as a commentator to be a fan. It's your job is to call the game. And they're not doing that. And that's where these sort of, this is where this sort of hatred towards officials can come from. You know, I mean, people, you know, I'm not telling people that they've got to like officiating. So we get some absolute stinkers. But when you're telling Stevenage players to go to ground, that, that is just summing up the difficulty a referee has. Yeah, it's not a great advert for local radio, but I mean, I, I did study sports journalism, and what we were always told is, you're not like you're not the story, so don't kind of you should never really give your opinion. Like I get, certainly with local radio, you are obviously going to have a bias to a certain team. I mean, that's you know, I don't I don't think anyone could broach any like for being slightly more favourable to their chosen side, but I just think it's ridiculous when you're. <laughs> It's just so ridiculously unprofessional. Hi, this is Jan Fjortoft, and welcome, and I'm on Loathe Strangers. But it's so hard for Norwegian. Love Strangers. So thank you to all of those who sent me who they felt the man of the match against Stevenage was. We'll start with Paul Manning, who says, Conroy was very good in defence, always in the right place at the right time. Great distribution. Probably 80% of all balls out of defence were coming to or from him. And he made a few forays forward to get us out of sticky situations or kick off some forward momentum. Viva Capitano! Mr. Jason says he thought that Odomeo and Gladwin both had very poor games. Hunt played well before being subbed, but it's Conroy for him. Came forward well, looked strong, did enough to put their forward off with the shot over the bar. Richard Vowles says, Lewis Reed, what a player. Matt Anderson agrees, read everything and everywhere. William Wallace says, Dion Conroy for me, calm, composed and commanding, closely followed by Reed. Jojo also didn't put a foot wrong. Luke simply says, Mr. Reed. Neil McLaughlin says, Reed just shaded it for me. Jojo Critchlow, Conroy all look solid and I'm looking forward to seeing more of Gilbert in the future. 
Craig Clark says Reed or Iandolo for him. Gilbert looked very good when he came on. Also glad we're much better until the comical Stevenage goal. Alan Tidy gave Reed the man of the match for calm head and energy in the middle of the pitch. And he was closely followed by Jojo, who again made some vital saves. Bennett Carew says Payne would have been a shoo-in if he hadn't overplayed a few times in our half. Reed for him. Wardy S says, thought Hunt was playing well until the bizarre substitution. Man of the match, Jojo again. Some top class saves when it mattered. SN1 Robbins has gone for Reed. Uh, Iandolo looked good until moved out wide. Conron Critchlow, a good partnership again. Kevin Metcalf, Reed all the way. Stephen PC, Reed is becoming such an influential part of our team. And with Grant missing, he bossed that central midfield area. Notable mentions for Payne, Critchlow, and Conroy too. AD Mail says Dion looked very good and assured today. Billy Nishaw, Reed was exceptional today. Always wants to progress the ball and swept everything up like Grant usually would. He's definitely a player who shouldn't be at this level. <laughs> Hanra Hanra Anthony Grant 42 says you've got mine already. Keeps was terrific once again. Hashtag Wallacat. George Bishop goes with Reed. Paul Temple says the Stevenage commentary team. But Dion Gomery was also so steady today. Tom Weeks finishes us off with Wallacott. Seemed to keep us in the game for sure. But nice to see most of the team sticking together and keeping going. So Lewis Reed gets man of the match from the listeners. And comfortably so, I might add. James, who gets Low Strangers man of the match? It's going to have to be dude. He was absolutely, absolutely superb yesterday. Uh, just his whole distribution throughout the pitch was fantastic and it looked like if we were going to do anything Louis Reed was going to be at the heart of it and I think he's probably been certainly after the last couple of weeks he's been a player who's kind of grown into it this season so it was absolutely superb yesterday but obviously I think we also have to give an honourable mention to John Conroy who's been imperious at the back this year and yeah like the just the turnaround after last season for, for him has just been fantastic and if we can keep him fit, which I hope we will do, because the medical staff we've got now and he's just leading from the front. And yeah, but Lou Reed was more than deserving of the man of match. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have a go at sports for choosing because he, he was absolutely fantastic. It's a perfect day then for Lou Reed, who gets the double. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we talk about. The crowd issues nearer to the end of the game, I asked listeners to give me their opinions of the football side of the 1-1 draw. So we'll start with Luke, who says it was positive overall. Jojo coming to the rescue again. Great to see youngsters getting some match time and Gilbert looks like a promising signing. Glad we salvaged a point. We are, though, riding our luck and another game where we lack forward power. Dig in, League 2. We ain't going nowhere at the moment. Mr. Jason says we passed the ball well throughout, although Gladwin and Odomeo gave a few stray passes. Conroy was excellent again, and Reed and Payne are way above lead to quality. Corners are pointless for us, as is crossing, as we don't seem to have anyone to win a header or at least commit to one. Sean Anthony says dominated possession. Movement forward was very disappointing. Too much sideways passing. Ball needs to be moved around a lot quicker. Too slow at times. The players that were away were a big miss. Gladwin should have done better with the goal. Lazy. We'll take a point. 
Pete Marsh says Stevenage were better than expected and should be top 10 and challenge for the playoffs. The game should have been over at halftime and Nang was as good as Jojo. Second half performance wasn't as good, but Gilbert and Lawson impressed. Definite penalty. Lawson was cuthberted. <laughs> Max Springer says probably worth a point in the end based on the whole game. Lucky to get a penalty at the end, but had plenty of chances in the first half to get at least one goal. Second half was awful to watch. Stevenish parking the bus with 36 minutes to go and Swindon struggling to break them down. Richard Vowles says still building and developing and they look assured as a team, a real team. Thought, Reed, Conroy, Iandolo, Critchlow, Hunt were excellent. Debutants are exciting. Thought, Odomeo was a bit off, which shows how much he has improved overall. Nathan James says we didn't deserve to lose the game, so please, we got a point. With the three missing players, we will probably win that. Football is nice, but concerned about how toothless we seem to get when in the final third. Feel like we're not far off a team that could dish out some hidings. Alan Tidy says that we looked a quality team, goalkeeping, defending and midfield. Should be aiming for the playoffs as a minimum, just need something to click up front. So many chances created, but also chances turned down. Shame for Gladwin switching off as Jojo in goal never looked like conceding, even from a wonder strike. Ben Nichols says, deserve point, absolutely a pen. However, I think we've learned if your best players are on international duty and you can pull the game, pull the game. With the missing three, I think we win that. Still a good point. Victory versus Vale will make it a great point. Lee says the two new boys look bright and dangerous. Still not convinced on Simpson. McCurdy was better in my opinion. Conroy and Critchlow solid again. Jojo is amazing. Mitchell Singh says actually, actually think that's one of our better games and completely controlled it. Only one down because of another stupid mistake from Gladwin. I'll absolutely take the draw, but would have been annoyed with the point prior to them scoring as I think we bossed that game. Stephen PC says the resilience the club has this season compared to last season is a remarkable difference and shows the merit of good management across the department. So nice to see the team continue this on the pitch and even though down, they are never out. Never gave up and got the reward. And finally, Matt says we played well in the first half but didn't take our chances and had to rely on Jojo again. Second half, one mistake and Stevenage banked in, which we struggled to break down. Happy with the point earned at the end. Captain Hindsight, James, was looming over Hertfordshire before the equaliser, um, from my observations, with lots of people really starting to cite the lack of Johnny Williams, Anthony Grant and Arkes because they were away on international duty. But the rhetoric before the game, from what I could see, was people were happy with that 11 and, and they said it was strong, including Leiden and, and Baldry. We had five players out. Is there any concern depth-wise with this side if things are going? I mean, I guess we need, we need to separate this into two. The thing here is, if you have three players on international duty, should we call it off regardless? I don't think I agree with that. I think Ben Garner was right to play. The momentum is with us. Play on. Trust your squad. I get it, though. But I'm not 100% sure that would have played out much differently. I appreciate Johnny Williams can change the game with one pass like he did previously. But I, I think it's a bit easy to just cancel games and put more pressure on the fixture this later in the season. I think it must have been a really tough tough call to make, I think. But certainly what 
Garner has been saying the season has been like he he wants every every player in the squad to be involved. So I think if the players and he the players he wants are there, he has to play that game because if he calls it off, he's pretty much said that he doesn't trust certain players in that squad. So I think it was it was as much a man man management decision as it was I think a squad like tactical decision. But yeah, like I, I think we had to play. Obviously, the momentum being on our side and. From what I gather, Stevenage weren't in the best of form, which again, a few postponed games can change. So we probably feel like we had enough without Sonny. Because Sonny, as much as Johnny Williams is a great player, like he hasn't you know, been a starter this season um, yet. So, and Grant Limmerfield is probably a mess, but you can do. And uh, he, he's done that before. And I think that's was something that was very interesting to see play out with him playing there as well. Because obviously he's been playing, obviously he's got the number three and has been playing like in the left back, left wing back position this season. So it's been interesting to see him play that. The only issue I had certainly tactically yesterday was, as I've said before, uh, Odomayo were right back, which I just don't think really works. I mean, it's going to be, it was an opportunity to maybe see a couple of other players play a different way or a different position, which I hadn't done before. And yeah, it was interesting. I think the squad depth is something that is going to come up a lot I think this season certainly in terms of the forward line well the forward player I I, I, I think they have to delve into the to free agent market whether they will or not is to be seen but I'm not convinced that the players we have at the moment are able to fulfil the role that Simpson has which I think is a very important role in, in, in the way that we play because he's a very strong very energetic player who does suck up quite a lot of the attacking kind of defensive acumen from the other team and allows players like Payne, Williams and Gladwin to have the space to kind of make those moments of magic. So I think Simpson's going to be a player that's going to be used out a lot of season. We just, I just hope he doesn't burn out because he, you know, he's an 18, 19 year old kid who's not played a hell of a lot of first team football. So, and it is a very, very different game to what I imagine what he'd be used to in the, in the academy system at, at, at Ipswich. So, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it's how he's managed this season because we we could find ourselves very short when it comes to December when we got to go out to God knows where up north and he's just absolutely exhausted. So right then, so let's talk about the crowd trouble. So you were there, um, so I'll let you sort of freewheel um, your observations from this. But there were issues; things were thrown onto the pitch. Um, there was a smoke bomb, smoke canister. It certainly wasn't a flare, but it was something along those lines that went on. And there was an altercation with a steward. Talk me through what what you what you observed. Oh, it's just an absolute embarrassment, isn't it? I think just I think I didn't see any of the kind of steward stuff. And we we were at the back side, slightly away from where the culprits were, but just to. Certainly after everything and oh, just awful, 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 awful. Not something you want to see at a football ground. And I just, like, I just, I didn't think we were that club. I mean, I know every club has their, and again, I'm not saying that they are a, a full, those culprits are a fully representative of our fan base, but, you know, they are, whether we like to believe it or not, are a part of our fan base. I think you have to deal with it in that respect. But just absolutely disgusting, to be honest with you. And I, the kind of, Things that people said about a stop Stewart thing, I I don't know. I didn't see anything, but I I don't think any any of what happened was a a um, acceptable retaliation, even if that was what 
people believed. I don't know. But it was just awful, 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 awful. Then after COVID as well, where so many clubs are struggling, certainly financially, and now you're ripping up a bit. They're saying I think you have to be quite a special, special person to have to to be, to think you're right in doing that and costing costing another club money who are probably not in the greatest financial places themselves. And it's just oh, disgusting to be honest with you. Well, I'm more than sure I know who Stevenage will bill for that for that cost. Yeah. And 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 I I read a few comments, not just one. I read a few comments from Swindon fans that pretty much said Clem's minted. This doesn't matter. And I cannot believe that's that's the mindset of people. You know, you can't just rip up stuff and then just go. Don't worry. You know, Clem's a lad. He'll he'll foot the bill. There were several members of the podcast that were the game yesterday and they said that people were trying to rip off sponsored you know adverts from from the stands in the first half you know when there was no issue with the steward so and if you have an issue with the steward why do you need to chuck stuff onto the pitch and also like I, again I, I can't comment because I didn't see any, any altercation between any uh between the steward and fan, fans and all that kind of stuff but I, I don't believe a steward, again, I, this is not based really on anything, but I, I can't imagine a steward who's probably not paid a hell of a lot and we've not really a hell of a lot to lose would just out of nowhere, you know, take it out and just wouldn't have found without any provocation. Again, that's not based on 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 anything. I can I can believe it. I can believe a, a chippy steward will wind people up. I honestly can, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't give you carte blanche to respond. You just ignore it. I think in the last couple of months we've had a we've had two memorable away days. The first at Scunthorpe was largely symbolic, based on all the nonsense that we've been through, and then the second was a highly enjoyable victory at Salford. And due to those two well followed away days up in the north, and the great reaction it got from people who attended, I think people just wanted a taste of that action. A bit like England in the summer, you know, there was no real trouble until after the Germany game, not the Germany game itself, but afterwards, because people saw the crowds, they saw the chanting, and they wanted a bit of that. And Stevenage was our first Southern away day, in on a Saturday anyway, in the league. And I think it just created that perfect, storm of people getting oversourced over excited and over the top and it created this i think people went to that game and they were going to do something whether we were five nil up five nil down or anything in between i think people just got over excited and it created what it created yeah it's just obviously there's been a lot going around about we've got our swindon back and all that kind of stuff is this the kind of is this the swindon we want to portray to the rest of the country i just say it was just fucking embarrassing. Like it's, it just made me so angry. Like it's, I, I love football and I love and there is that line there because I love the passion and the want a better word and energy you get from a crowd and a lot of that does come from a place of inadvertent commas anger. But most good the stuff I love about football there is a tongue in cheek slash kind of inside joke humour to it but I hate it makes me so angry when it goes over that threshold and it just looks so ridiculously embarrassed I just didn't I know every club has that element of you know bad eggs as it were but 
it's I didn't think we were kind of that club. And yesterday we kind of showed ourselves to be something that maybe we we or maybe we're not. But I, yeah, struck me so much of privilege. Like it just felt like they were taking the mick out of the new owner and CEO because they're Swindon lads and they wouldn't. These guys would not have dreamt to have done this under Lee Power because they would have been afraid of getting banned or worse. But just because they've got two nice, seemingly nice guys in now, they think that ah, don't matter. You know, CEO's a Swindon fan. He, he knows. He knows what, what it's all about. It just really just struck me as complete privilege. That steward shouldn't, you, they should just stand there with their arms behind their backs and just help if they need to help and get involved, you know, and get people out if, they, if they're doing anything wrong. They shouldn't be reacting to fans. And that, that steward will probably, you know, possibly not work for Stevenage again. But there's CCTV in that, in that stand and several Swindon fans will not be able to go and watch their team because they have been stupid, because they can't take their drink. They just want to impress their mates, whatever. But it just isn't worth it. And now Swindon have to, will have to pay a fine. And how many times is this going to happen? You know, it's it's just the fact that that we're so nonchalant. And I know people go, that's nothing. Of course, it's nothing compared to the 80s and what can happen outside grounds around certain corners and things like that. But we don't want to see it and we don't want that reputation. Yeah. And I just don't like the whole rhetoric around they're not Swindon fans. I mean, they are. Let's be brutally honest. They are. So like you, as much as we don't like that they've made those... Uh, what uh, they've done that kind of damage or whatever they are a part of our of our club so we need to address that and change that if there are people who want to like that at our football club they're not you know I yeah it's just and obviously there were this is the first time we've had bad stuff happen because we had the again again I didn't say it wasn't the game last it would be there was that um not allegation but there were reports of like home home uh, of homophobic abuse at the county ground. So there are there are these people who have bad or questionable at our football club and I think we all need to it shouldn't be on, on Rob or Clem or whoever or the trust or the supporters club or whatever. It's on all of us to try and eradicate this from our football club and have the football club that we want to portray to the world because it is a representative of us. I mean, you know, it's yeah, frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's it's annoying. And I know that people that were in the thick of it will see this as do-goodery and, you know, it wasn't that big a deal or anything. But there's debris on the pitch. You don't get debris on the pitch usually, do you? You, don't, <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, it's just, there's no justification for it as well. Like, the steward stuff, again, I didn't see anything. I won't want to comment really on anything I didn't see, but that's not a... Like it's very much the eye for an eye leaders all kind of blind thing. It's just it's not acceptable. And I think again, as I said earlier, the we've got this whole our Swindon club. We got our, sorry, we've got our Swindon back kind of rhetoric. I think at this point now, if ever in our history, we need we need to kind of figure out the kind of club where we want to be. Do we want to be the kind of I don't want to tire, but like, do you want to be a Millwall? kind of club, like the reputation they have and that's not something that I really want to be involved with so I think at this point when this stuff seems to be happening certainly when there are so many people allowed to be out going to football game we need to align with what we kind of believe in I don't know like it's just 
I, I don't want to be tarred with the same brush as, as those people, but you also have to acknowledge that it's a part of our fan base. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to be Millwall. We're, we're, we're just going to have a faction of, uh, you know, we're going to have a percentage of our fan base who do love these sort of, these sort of incidents. But we don't want a football club that's going to turn a blind eye on it. And I don't, you know, I don't want that. I don't want it to be like thigh slap. Oh, that's football fans. There's, there's no excuse for it. And this is now the second week in a row where the club have to address stuff based on football fans. And I, I think you're right. I think I didn't actually think about it, but I think the entitlement thing is, is right. And it's why I think we need to think about the way we align ourselves. I mean, the, align ourselves with those people and how we shouldn't try and polish it up we should let it be what it is and then change it rather than just like trying to say it's not that bad because football fans do have a track record of liking at times to feel victimized which again sometimes is a very 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 fair point but i think then stuff like this happens and you're like well that's why people have that view because this shit happens so i think we have to just address it well, we've got a game in midweek. Nobody cares about it, but it's going to be my first competitive game watching Swindon at the county ground for about 100 years, and that's Arsenal 21s in the Papadrons trophy. I'm doing it, James. I'm going um, because I need – I don't get many windows to go and watch Swindon, and I have one. So, gosh darn it, I'm going to go and do it. And um, I look forward – if I don't see Mo Dabre play, then then what's the point of it all? Exactly. Him and, him and, him and Ricky Aguiar, so – yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think. Is I think, it? No, I think. <laughs> no, I think it will be because league in League Two there are a lot of teams. Again, this, it's changed a hell of a lot in the last decade, but there are a lot of teams who will just let us play our game and then try and counter us. I think because that's the way you play. That's how you are successful against the way we want to play. But I think our like Arsenal under twenty ones aren't going to turn up and and play that because that's not. They'll they'll want to play a very good because that's the Arsenal way, isn't it? They want to play good football, so I think it will be an interesting how we play against teams who want to play a bit more. Um, but again, that's not meant to be a <laughs> comment on League Two football because I do think the the standards at this level have got a hell of a lot better certainly in the last like five years. But I think like yesterday was very much one of those teams. Uh, Stevenage were one of those teams yesterday that we're very much like waiting for us to make a mistake rather than try and beat us really. So it'd be better to see what Arsenal do when they actually want to play a bit better next week on Tuesday. Yeah, well I was I was half expecting you to convince me not to go and now I'm positively buzzing for it. I think that'll do for this one, James. Thank you very much. That's all right, thank you very much. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... Or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.